0: Welcome to Rehydrate, this is a podcast about Liu Cixin's The Three-Body Problem and the entire Remembrance of Earth's Past series, and the upcoming Netflix show. This is Season 1, Episode 5, Dasher, covering Chapters 10 and 11 of The Three-Body Problem. We're reading the entire series together, except for me this time. I forgot to read, but it's okay, In episode-sized chunks in preparation for the upcoming TV series. And we're currently reading the novel, The Three-Body Problem. Each host has a different level of experience with the series, which is our unique selling point. I'm Jim. I've read The Three-Body Problem, but not the other two books.
1: Hi, I'm Dan. I've read the series
2: multiple times.
3: Hi, I'm Tim. I have not read the series, and I've only read up to the current week's
2: chapters. This is Amin. I too have only read up to the current week's chapters and also I am alongside Dan co-hosting the Rehydrate SpoilerCast where Dan spoils both the Three-Body Problem and the entire The Remembrance of Earth Past series. So if you have read all the books or if you are not sensitive about spoilers, you should check that out as well.
1: So today we're going to be talking about chapters 10 and 11 of The Three-Body Problem. After Wang Mia's experience of seeing the universe flicker, Da takes him to a restaurant for drinks and some tripe. At the restaurant, Sher lets Wang know his ultimate rule, anything sufficiently weird must be fishy. The next day, after sobering up, Sher fills Wang on in his thoughts about what's been going on. First, the crimes that have been committed have no seeming motivation, just for the purposes of destruction. Second, movies and other media have recently been having a more anti-science perspective. And finally, he concludes everything that's been happening is coordinated by someone behind the scenes with one goal: to completely ruin scientific research. He assumes that this effort is coordinated, and that whoever is behind it is afraid of scientists. But the best way to react is to continue his research as well as continue with the three-body game. So, Wang takes this advice and returns to the world of three body, where he runs into another historical Chinese figure, Mozi, who says Civilization 137 has been destroyed 362,000 years ago. Mozi has built a complex model of what he believes to be the universe. He theorized that the universe is two hollow spheres sitting in a sea of fire. The holes in the inner sphere are stars, and a large hole on the outer sphere is the sun. His model has predicted that they are about to enter a four-year stable era, however, in the blue space of the sky is soon filled with a very large and very hot sun, burning everything in the world, including Muozi and Wang, forcing the inhabitants to dehydrate and ultimately destroying Civilization 141. Afterwards, Wang goes again to visit Ye Wenjie, who, when the subject of Red Coast Base comes up, she agrees to tell Wang her history at the very secretive base
2: so i actually have a bone to pick with jim and dan so at the end of episode one they talked about dasher and how he's such a great character and so far i found him to be mostly annoying and useless (laughs) his his this whole chapter chapter 10 his entire contribution was basically again doing exposition and then telling wang Miao to go play the game some more i'm sure things will change in the future but so far through 10 chapters, I'm very disappointed after the buildup he got in episode one of our podcast.
0: Oh, no. I didn't mean he was a great character in and of himself the way that, you know, a character like Pip Perip from Great Expectations is. I just meant that it's funny that there's a living stereotype that's like, oh. like lifted straight up and uh, is just like acting the way that kind of character would act.
2: Oh, yeah. I agree with that part of yeah. it. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's
3: the common sense guy. This is the deductive reasoning guy coming in to give his Occam's razor. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be kind of disappointed if this is some sort of just anti-science conspiracy.
0: Yeah, I think he's meant to be, the author says in interviews, basically puts people into roles as part of a machine and, and this is his role. But uh, yeah, the reason I found him, I always find him entertaining is because he is basically like McGarnagle from The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. So I, that's I'm my defense.
1: Yeah. I, I think he's just there to, to give a more like non sciencey explanation of stuff that might be happening and, and maybe let the audience know because most of the audience is not going to be physicists, right? They're going to be people just interested in sci fi. Uh, and it's just kind of way to wrap up the story a little bit, but yeah, with like the it's stereotype, and I had the same feeling about like why I liked him is because he's just purely a stereotype and you could just, you picture him in your mind's eye, I always picture him as like kind of a squat, thick detective with like, always oh, holding a cigar, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, maybe like 50 years old or so that's why I liked him.
3: Yeah. He's the average guy foil and you know, the author's kind of checking a box
0: here. Uh, do you want yeah. to talk about how do you think he, he's going to be cast?
1: Well, it's hard to say. I mean, I always saw him as like like a 50-year-old Chinese guy, right, with short hair, always you know smoking a cigar. I think they always say that he's wearing like a leather jacket. So I, I don't know yeah. any Chinese actors off of offhand who would fill that role, but something like that.
0: Do you, Do you feel they will resist the temptation to just cast a handsome actor, you know, like a Chow Yun-fat kind of guy, who's, who's actually you no. know I, I don't man. see
3: him as well. I could see if he, if, he, if he was like maybe Chow Yun-fat now. Plus like forty pounds, you know maybe he would...
0: what i 'm saying like the, in my opinion, the right casting would be to make him be a pretty ugly dude that is not that charismatic, but like the the great temptation is to just take a handsome actor and you know put some stubble on him or something,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I mean hopefully know. not i mean like <laughs> there's a lot of kind of unknown questions of like how they're going to approach this series and like how westernized they want to make it hopefully they, they resist that temptation
0: well it's not even the westernization i think i saw casting shots of some other yoshi series and it was mm-hmm. they all looked like handsome pop stars or something they're all like under 25 i think that's like a commercial film thing now
1: well, I think, I mean, I saw I mean, the Wandering Earth, you know, a while ago, and they had older guys in there as they you know, did? not not yeah. just not just like 25 year old K-pop stars or whatever. But uh, yeah, yeah, they had people who seemed to fit the role.
3: Yeah, I'm sure they'll cast Chinese Dennis Franz or Paul Giamatti or something for this. Guy.
1: Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. But, uh,
3: <laughs> but yeah, he is definitely McCarnacle-like and uh, another Simpson like, <laughs> like, hey, I'm trying to eat my tripe here. <laughs>
2: He goes and he plays the three-body game, and then I had a question. So in there, somebody explains that the shortest-lived civilization only got halfway through the Stone Age, but civilization number 139 broke a record and developed all the way to the Steam Age. So when people are playing the three-body game and they're trying to advance their civilization based on the chaotic and stable era, so I understand how that kind of slows down progress, but... Can't they use knowledge that they have now in order to accelerate how quickly these civilizations advance? Or do you guys think they still have to advance at the same speed that real civilizations? Couldn't they skip some eras or some ages? Yeah, I, I think that's
0: that's a little bit of a hole that he, he didn't really work out. Like, how does metagame knowledge work? You know, like if you just tab right. over to at wikipedia and find out how to make a steam engine <laughs> you know can you just do that in the game
1: i don't know that every character in the game is actually a person right they might be interacting with ai
0: yeah that, um, that actually leads to my first question
3: you know so far we every time wings entered it he's met with these chinese historical figures and i'm assuming that those are the actual like players of the game these are like the avatars of the scientists or what you know whoever is engaging in this game and all of the and maybe you can you can spoil this for me now, but I'm assuming like all of like the actual like people that are getting like hydrated and rehydrated and they're like the peons in this civilization, are these aren't actual like other player, like people like logging into this game, right? Are these like AI? I don't, you know, I'm, that's what I'm confused about so far. And maybe that's to be revealed or maybe I should have inferred this already, but- No, uh, I think it's to like, be
1: revealed. Yeah, okay. I, I don't know if I want to get too much into spoilers, but they do talk about it later on. yeah okay. We don't know, like, if Wang Miao is playing by himself with a bunch of AI, or he's playing with other people. Like maybe other people also right. are do- having his same experience. Um, I, I, I think it's meant to, to be uh, a little bit a mystery for now. Okay,
3: yeah, Yeah. like how this game is actually works and who these people are, you know, again, my interpretation of this so far, is that the figures that he met before, and that this figure now that like, this is something of a multiplayer game, and these Chinese historical figures, even though like Wang isn't taking the form of a historical figure. Again, that's another question I have. I'm assuming that these are the avatars of the players and that all of the actual people rehydrated are, you know, some peons or AI controlled
1: Yeah, it's hard to say like entities without. in this, in this yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's part of the kind of central mystery of why this stuff is important. And I know it was confusing to me when I first read it too. Like, yeah. you know, why do they keep going back to this world? Like what's important about this thing? I'll just say that it does become more clear of like why we're seeing oh, all this stuff and sure. then you know who who's who's what in the in the game
3: and I've also noticed that every time he's logged on, it's almost like he's logging on as a guest account or something like that, because he's not directly like seems to be participating in it. He's just sort of an onlooker to what I'm assuming is another player trying to beat the game. Yeah. yeah. That's just I, yeah. I don't know what that means, but that's that that's just one other observation that it has. It's like he's just like he logs on, then he meets this guy, you know, and he sees him play, you know, and I'm assuming like this guy is a player logging on and this is his session or something like that, and Wang is just on looking at the moment that's kind of also what it sort of seemed to be in the prior session
1: yeah i mean like i think based off of the behaviors of the players and like their explanations of how they i mean they definitely have foreknowledge of previous civilizations right um we talked about yeah the previous civilization advanced to the stone age or whatever so he definitely has outside of the civilization knowledge but he's also advocating kind of more ancient ways to model the universe and wong is pretty skeptical he thinks like the model is impressive but you seem pretty skeptical yeah. of its, its of its efficacy, right?
3: Well, yeah, that's another question I had too. Like the again, the whole inner sphere outer sphere that feels like a very pre-scientific idea of how the universe works. But uh, that's the other thing that I'm, my big question about this is: this is this player trying to hypothesize how the actual universe works, or how the universe is working in this particular game, and that's how this the universe is designed in this game, and therefore they kind of have creative license to try to come up like with these kind of strange ways these sort of strange sort of pre-scientific models like is the point just trying to figure out this universe or to actually like figure out how the actual universe is working feels like if this uh avatar was modern person playing the game as this avatar they obviously wouldn't believe that this is how the universe works
1: yeah yeah they just go right to the the modern interpretation of like how astrophysics works and that kind of thing Yes, I thought it was interesting how he kind of denigrated the previous attempts to model how the stable and chaotic eras work. Basically, saying it was like mysticism, and then he was like basically no, no better than the shaman. Right? I thought that was pretty yeah. interesting. But then he goes to have like this pretty, you know, ancient uh, way of of modeling the universe by having the two spheres and the sea of fire, which is a pretty antiquated way to think about how the universe works. There's also in the first chapter that we read, Dasher talks about an anti-science bent to a lot of the media that's happening. Now, these books were written in 2008, but I think by that time, and I don't know in China, but definitely in the U.S., like there's always been a more anti-science trend in things and maybe a romanticization of going back to nature. Did you guys see any parallels in, in that?
3: Yeah, kind of, like it feels a little bit of the time, there's parallels, I guess, speaking for myself personally, like I was much more in the mid 2000s with kind of the general like Bush era, there's much more of a focus on in his cabinet and all that on, you know, appointing Liberty University graduates and all that to the cabinet. It seems like the sort of scientific skeptic movement versus the religiosity in our government and all that was a bigger topic at the time. Obviously things are so much more different now that like that almost seems like a quaint uh you know like uh um,
1: (laughs) but i think even going back to that point there was always the argument of like science versus religion and they had to be at you know opposite ends of the spectrum you know that they couldn't overlap at all and i think that's maybe the sentiment that he was trying to portray here i don't know that that's true in in china as well china is more of a secular country and has you know more of i mean it has like a really high they really value people who are smart and can achieve progress in specific fields, especially engineering fields, where that's not as valued in American culture. So I, I don't know if that that was meant to be a parallel or if it's just like driving the story.
3: Yeah. I don't know if there was like a parallel in China if at, at any point, there's a parallel in, to like us evangelism or anything like that.
1: But I would say like during the cultural revolution, I think that was true where they did not look down on people who were highly educated, but they definitely persecuted them, right? That, that's what happened to Yei his father. He got persecuted right. for taking high-minded scientific ideas. So I mean, maybe that's what they are trying to get after here.
0: I mean, the difference between destroying not a, a trust in science, uh, among, you know, the general populace is really different from what I think Dasher is saying and you know, with the book and what really the author is saying through him, that they're trying to destroy a trust in science among scientists. Hence all this stuff, right? Which most people wouldn't get at all with the background radiation and all that. Like we, we know what it takes to destroy trust in science in general, because of what we've seen for the last several years. And that's, that's way simpler. <laughs> I don't think you have to uh, mess with background radiation, which, you know, I, you probably just post something on Facebook saying there's no such thing as background radiation that was made up by George Soros or something. And that's all you'd have to do, I think. Yeah. Right. The
1: well, liberals but, want you to believe that there's background radiation. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty
0: much. Yeah. yeah,
2: that's pretty much how the climate change deniers got started. They found one or two scientists to say this study is flawed, and then just let social media and popular culture take over. And now it's a real thing that people have to argue against. Yeah, I mean, it's, and, it's, and it's, it's the one. Yeah.
3: It's the one rogue scientist type thing. You know, where somehow that person. You know, it's it's a complete misunderstanding of how science even works. And that it's, uh, revolves around scientific consensus and that the actual consensus actually lends something credibility, whereas we kind of value the sort of, because our culture kind of values the independent thinker, the rogue thinker that it's easy if, if, if 99 out of a hundred scientists or something, you know, say yes, you know, climate change is real, then somehow we'll like focus on the one that, that doesn't say it and like, Ooh, what's that guy got to say? He's the rebel, so. And, you know that gets exploited for all sorts of pseudoscientific and anti-scientific agendas
0: yeah something really similar happened with if you've you've heard of the story of how the vaccinations causing autism things started oh yeah just like yeah, one absolutely. one guy one dude and yeah, it, it's, really it's so it's really impossible to undo that yeah. So it'd be interesting to imagine a, a three body problem with just targeted Facebook ads or something like that. <laughs> like the whole story would just be, you know, Wang Miao, <laughs> just like one day, just getting into Facebook and being like, huh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> and then just being you know, like getting more and more into it.
1: I think the parallel here would be if. You know the anti-vax movement was able to recruit doctors into thinking that vaccines really don't work or they really just cause problems like that i think that's similar to what's happening here or what, what they're trying to portray where physics isn't working in the way they expected so in your anti-vax argument it would be that vaccines don't work or vaccines really do ha- cause harm and yeah. causes other other yeah. other doctors to think that too
0: yeah i think i think if we're going to put the real world back to the three-body problem or the three-body problem method to uh, the real world, they would have like done it in a much more difficult way where they would have actually somehow made vaccines cause autism and, you know, with like actual proof here and there. And yeah, that would be pretty hard. I think hurry for Facebook. <laughs> uh,
1: one thing I found that was kind of interesting was, you know, I didn't know about uh, Mozi before reading this. I mean, I've heard of Confucius obviously, but you know, I have not studied Chinese, you know, philosophers and history. So it was part of my research for this episode. I kind of just I looked it up on Wikipedia, basically my deep research. But then found that like his one of his philosophies was actually against Confucianism, where Confucius was more about that you're going to be closer to and value people who are you know in your immediate circles, and Moza was about a, a theory of called universal love, where basically everyone should be treated and, and respected the same. You know they seem to be at odds, and then in the game they actually show Confucius as the person who was standing, you know, in the middle of the great sea, frozen to death. So I thought that was maybe symbolic of maybe a little bit of Chinese history knowledge by the author, by having Confucius be the one that was that was wrong, and Mozart kind of pointing that out. I thought that that was interesting to me.
0: Yeah, why do you, why do you think that Mozart would be more successful in the Three Body World than he was in real Earth history? Well, I don't know they was successful. Or do, do you th- his plan his, his plan failed, right? <laughs> well, well, he was, was wrong. I mean, he did <laughs> he get. Out, that's a yeah, that's Confucius. Well, he, he did, Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I, well, I, I, I always thought that was something. I think if you make it all the way to the king, I feel like that's pretty successful in that game. You know, even even if yeah. you don't uh, actually, you know, beat the game, and your civilization is destroyed.
1: But we don't know. I mean, Confucius probably also got to the king, and who knows? How oh, yeah, yeah, that's
0: true. In- Maybe he got frozen as a result.
1: Right, right. He said, yeah, because I think the, he said that there's going to be, uh, I forget how long it was for, but it was like a period of, like a, a stable air that was going to last like a long time. And so he went out to the the plane and, uh, and it was trying to show that, but then they, they said the sun disappeared. And yeah, he got frozen because of that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that he was like more or less successful, but I think it was as equally as unsuccessful
0: yeah i was just say i think that like yeah now that you mentioned his philosophy which i never bothered to look up it is probably more applicable in total apocalypse times than confucius's stuff about family because you know your family might not get rehydrated so
1: yeah and more weird uh leo Sishin sexism stuff talks about how the the women are like ready for love after they get uh rehydrated <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, (laughs) Uh, boy i'm not a chinese speaker i know a little bit of chinese but i wanted to maybe if you guys didn't know like where they kind of just throw in some of the nicknames for people especially when jia throws in some nicknames and some of the other characters just kind of do it without any explanation i think there might be footnotes or something but one of the things that might be good for you guys to know as we go forward into the story some of the The names that they give to people are kind of chinese I guess. So like Da Shi is his nickname because Da means big. So usually it's like a a big person or a a person who's, I don't know, big (laughs) or important, right? And then Ye Wenjie also calls Wang Miao Xiao Wang, which means small. Usually because she's old and she'll tell people who are younger basically to call them small. And then she also has a habit of calling people you basically like duplicate the name so like her daughter uh, Yang dong she'll call her dong dong so generally in chinese culture like it's like a a cute nickname you know to like kids or your other children or just other small people so i don't know if you guys picked up on that but i thought that might be useful context for you guys to know as, as you're reading the story
3: no, that is actually use. I mean, useful because I didn't know that those were nicknames or honorifics or things like that. I just assumed that they were just. I mean, I I kind of picked up that Dong Dong would be a nickname, but the other like Da Lao and Xiao, like I I didn't know that those were nicknames. I just you know assumed that those were names, and that's why. Yeah, I don't know that we were It's a look at, as it, as as it looks much, like but, yeah yeah, and Xiao Wang X I A O yeah, Wang that means yeah, kind of like.
1: Yeah, Shao Wang means like, it's small. Shao means small in Chinese. So it's like,
0: like
1: it's like a y- or... young person. Yeah. Okay. It's not an insult. It's more like, yeah, you're just. Right. It's you know, more she's, of like she's, a well, yeah, she's an old person.
3: Right. Yeah, I know like, yeah, like Japanese has a similar thing where it's like, you sort of address your seniors in a different way as opposed to like your peers and then people younger than you. There's like little honorifics for that.
1: Finally, I want to talk about our regular segment of how would this be filmed. So. I think this kind of lends itself the same way that the last chapters we had where he went into the three-body world uh, we filmed. Although I think like the visuals of the sky kind of filling up with the sun and everything burning would be a pretty interesting visual, you know, because I think it was especially... I thought it was cool how they talked about and, and like well written about how he described the world even after the sun went away, that like the whole world was still like glowing red as an embers and like the smoke started filling up the sky and that when the sun was out that the lakes were boiling away into mist. I thought that was a, a pretty cool visual. Uh, okay. it'd be mean, interesting I could, also to see, see how the, the sphere model would also be shown in like how if it was show like inside the spheres or I don't know. I, I don't know how that's gonna be depicted.
3: I suddenly had like I'll flash back to the the Game of Thrones like intro where it's got that like spinning sphere thing, but I think it'll be yeah. something yeah. computer generated like that. But yeah, I guess I guess my yeah my my still big question as to how they're gonna film it is whether it's gonna be kind of like realistic with cg you know realistically like portray you know because obviously we can use cg to sort of you know we use it all the time to portray things happening in a, a realistic way or if it's going to be like obviously abstracted like you're seeing some sort of computer graphic thing or some sort of you know this is obviously like a video game type
1: thing yeah i would say that they're probably going to do it as more of like obviously a video game like that would be my guess if yeah. i had to guess but
2: well so it's, it's like i mean he's in,
1: you... he's in the world of three body right
3: yeah will characters be realistically rent or have a, like obviously you can cg up a lot of things that obviously can't happen in the real world and all that. but will they be realistic like will this look like the actual sun rising at 25 percent the distance that it n- normally would or will it be an obvious pewter polygon thing and you know
1: yeah i mean i would say like wong Miao often talks about when he's in the game about how realistic it looks and like how much detail there is in the game so i would hope that like yeah. the show is also going to portray it as not Totally unrealistic, not like a dire streets video or something, but you know, with more like a, a, like a bent of, you know, like this is unreal. This is like not totally realistic, but it's still gonna, you can tell that it's in a game, but there's still a lot of detail in it.
2: I think when they go into the game, it's gonna be hyper real, I think, rather than less real. Sure.
0: Yeah. Thanks for listening. Leave comments by emailing us at rehydrate at fastmail.com or leave comments on Twitter, at symbol, Rehydrate Pod. Please join us next time for Episode 6, Red Coast, where we will be reading chapters 12 through 14 of The Three Body Problem.